We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And it's another edition uh, of the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. On this week's edition, we will uh, take a quick look back at Cincinnati. And then we'll preview Indiana's next game on Saturday, October 1st against Nebraska at 7.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. The game is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, So looking forward to that. TJ, uh, we have beaten the dead horse or the horse to death on Cincinnati. Let's put that game to bed. What are your final thoughts? I mean, certainly parts of it were encouraging. uh, Parts of it were very disappointing and and concerning. Um, I think the, the largest things to take from it as you look to the rest of the season which is you know every game is a further piece of evidence in a team season and that's we have four pieces of evidence now Uh, and one piece that continues to kind of reoccur is a lack of being able to put together a solid 60 minutes of football Um, for Cincinnati it was uh, you know a mostly good second half with some missed opportunities, but by and large, a good second half performance. Um, the team, you know, could have folded up and, and really gotten pounded, but uh, stuck in there and, and had really should have cut the game to seven and really put pressure on Cincinnati, failed to do so as the red zone offense continues to be a problem. Um, but, you know, the, the second quarter, mainly the final like five minutes of the second quarter, just a complete and total disaster. Uh, you cannot have compounded negative plays uh, on repeats for a, a five-minute stretch and expect to win on the road against a good football team. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, fourth and one false start, a uh, you know sack that turns into a scoop and score, uh, poor decisions being made by special teams return units. Uh, again, lack of execution in the red zone on offense and the offensive line continuing to kind of get overwhelmed and bullied at times uh, by the Cincinnati, I say pass rush, but it was really just the front. I mean, they didn't even need to blitz at times to, to really hammer Basilac. So those are the concerning parts. I think the encouraging part of it uh, is the adjustments made by the defense continue to be good ones uh, that's something tom allen and his staff are clearly adept at is seeing where things are going wrong making the adjustments uh, and, and slowing offenses down later in the game um, that was good to see i think i use run defense was encouraging for sure i thought that that was a, a major bright spot 
particularly something that we mentioned as a concern going into the game. And they, they held up incredibly well. And I, I think Connor Bazelak made some really good throws. Receivers made some really good catches. Uh, but but what stands out, and we'll talk about this going into the Nebraska game, uh, I'm sure, 100% sure, it was never the plan to have Connor Bazelak leading the nation in pass attempts per game. Uh, and that's where we sit right now. And that's, I'm I'm kind of staggered that that's happened. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what you have when you, one, are behind in games, two, play at a quick tempo, and three, have a running game that's failing to find its footing. Uh, so, you know, we'll get into Nebraska now. You're, you're right, we've beaten this horse to death. Look, Cincinnati has been and, and is a better, more consistent football program than IU has been for the vast majority of my lifetime. This is not a surprise that Cincinnati beat Indiana. The way that they did it with that first half was disappointing, uh, and IU needs to bounce back this Saturday. Yeah, IU definitely needs to bounce back and and not to put too much on this game uh, in, in a se- season of swing games. But this net Nebraska right. game is probably, you know, a, another huge game in a season of, you know, really huge games. They got the first one. Uh, against Illinois, which is a, a game they just had to have. Um, you know, to, to, one, to quiet the critics. Two, to get off the mat after going 0-9 in the Big Ten last year uh, and 2-10 and yep. overall. But <clears throat> they need they needed that one. This is another one uh, because after losing to Cincinnati, you have Michigan coming in after a trip to, to Nebraska and then Maryland behind them. And you don't want that one loss to Cincinnati to turn into three. Um, it, it just it can't happen um, and things like that. So this Nebraska game is is huge. It's it's um, really huge for the for the program this year. And the encouraging thing about Cincinnati was, look, this team would have folded up camp at, at the end of the second quarter last year and gotten run out of the building by 60 points uh that didn't happen it, it looks like mentally they're they're still there uh, lots of concerns though uh but heading into nebraska nebraska has their own concerns they come into the this season um this game at, at one and three uh they lost their opener to northwestern so they're zero and one in the big 10 they their only win is against north dakota uh an fcs program not north dakota state North Dakota. Um, they they lost to Georgia Southern. They got boat raced by Oklahoma two weeks ago. Uh, they've had a bye week. They've had their their bye week. I think they get two this year with uh, playing a week zero. But they've already fired Scott Frost, which is something we've talked we talked about preseason. Was does he make it to October first, which was the date his buyout dropped in half? Uh, he did not. Um, you know, it gave them a little bit of life there on the, the first drive against Oklahoma, and then it was uh, lights out again. So that's something to watch this game is how Nebraska responds to adversity because we saw this at IU last year when things hit the fan uh, early, especially when the season was flushed down the drain, there was no recovery, uh, zero, whether it was the opening fumble against 
Rutgers. Um, the pick six that got called back on a pass interference against Purdue. After those plays, it was game, you know, just pack it up, pack it in, uh, and, uh, you know, start the buses. It, it was over. So I'm interested to see where Nebraska's headspace is at there. But, uh, TJ, you, you put out the know your opponent uh, this morning. Yeah. Uh, just take us through uh, ne- Nebraska outside of the Scott Frost and coaching drama. Right, yeah. Mickey Joseph is the interim coach, another former Nebraska quarterback. Uh, Joseph, you know, well-respected position and assistant coach. Uh, Most recently, before coming to Nebraska, he was at LSU uh, as a associate head coach and wide receiver coach under Ed Ogeron. Uh, Certainly some very good receivers and a really good offense there uh, that won the national title with Mickey Joseph as part of that staff. So he comes to Nebraska, his alma mater. Um, This is his first season in Lincoln, and he takes over as the interim head coach. Not really considered a candidate for the full-time job unless this interim season goes splendidly, which doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Although with the Big Ten West, you never know. Um, Now, Nebraska on the field comes into it looking better than they did a season ago on offense, uh, worse by far on defense. Uh, The defense has regressed significantly. They did fire the defensive coordinator as well. Uh, The guy that they have calling plays has not called plays. This will be his first game calling plays defensively uh, at at the major college level. So maybe a little bit of a adjustment learning curve for him. We'll see. Um, Casey Thompson, starting quarterback, transfer from Texas. He's been pretty good so far, not great. Uh, 65% of his passes are being completed. Again, solid, just solid. I do think there's an opportunity, if you can make Nebraska one-dimensional, to hurt their passing attack. I think the passing game is more complimentary for them this year uh, than their their, bread and butter. I think they'd prefer to run the ball. Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen. A good one-two punch. Grant's going to be the bell cow. Very good running back. I've been impressed with him so far this year. The offensive line, run blocking, pretty good. Pass blocking, okay. Uh, Overall, I think it's a a pretty solid unit. Um, Don't have a ton of weapons at wide receiver that scare you. Uh, Trey Turner is their best wide receiver. Um, I I hope that Indiana's secondary is in a little bit better uh, position than they were in the first half against Cincinnati when they got just ripped apart by Tyler Scott. Uh, They've got to do better with primary threats, and that's what Turner is. Make somebody else beat you. It was supposed to be a strength of this Indiana team. We need to see that on Saturday. I think Indiana's defense needs to have the plan of limiting the run. You're not going to completely stop it. This is a competent offense with that running attack, but slow down that running game force Casey Thompson to be the, the reason that uh, Nebraska moves the football. And I think you're, you're in a pretty good shape defensively on the other side of the ball. It's a defense that lacks speed. Uh, I don't see very much speed on defense. I do think Indiana's passing attack with the wide receivers should be able to have a nice day. I mean, Georgia Southern threw the ball for 405 yards against this defense. That is not a lights out offense. 
you know, this is not some air raid Western Kentucky offense. Georgia Southern no, there were not years, doing that to anybody. There were years <clears throat> Georgia yeah. Southern didn't have 400 and something yards passing. They ran the triple option. Um, there were right. years that they, they right. probably didn't even put that up through six games. Um, yeah, it, that was a an embarrassing performance, and it was easy to see the writing was on the wall as soon as that game was over for Frost. But Northwestern, I mean, in the opener, Northwestern had more than 500 yards of offense. Oklahoma could have set the score. They called off the dogs in the second half. Uh, again, just a complete lack of team speed on defense. Now, one thing to point out, Everybody knows Indiana's offensive line has struggled significantly. We know that. Now, Nebraska, in this particular matchup, so far through four games, one sack per game, so that's four total, and only 12 tackles per loss. So this is not a particularly disruptive, difference-making defensive front or linebacker group. The opportunity is going to be there for this IU offense to find success and for the offensive line to have themselves a confidence-building good day. If they can't do it today, there are not any worse defenses remaining on IU's schedule than what they're going to see on Saturday in Lincoln. Yeah, and and, uh, the wide receiver, it's not Trey Turner, it's Trey Palmer. We're getting into baseball. Trey Palmer. Uh, Transfer from LSU, uh, he's he's their leading receiver. But you're absolutely right in in – in the description of him, he has over twice as many catches as the the second leading receiver in uh, Marcus Washington. Um, they only have five touchdowns through the air as as well. I just I, I just don't see this this Nebraska team coming together. Uh, Anthony Grant, like you said, is the the running game is has four guys over five, five and a half yards per average, uh, rushing average, but there's, there's still at 4.72 yards per carry. Um, Casey Thompson has been sacked a lot. Um, it, it's just, I mean, it's baffling to see how far Nebraska has fallen, especially, and we said this in the preseason, everybody, a lot of people uh, were picking them to win the West. And, you know, it was a, uh, you know, see, you know, wait and see what they do. And uh, it was that opening game uh, against Northwestern and Northwestern hasn't been good either. They're one in three no. with, with losses to Miami of Ohio, Duke and Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois. Yeah. So yep. it's. Yep. The, yeah. I, I, I think so. The sacks for Casey Thompson, that's part offensive line. Hart, I think he's tried really hard to make things happen and held on to the ball too long. Um, I think that's that's the other part of it. Um, yeah, they've allowed a, I, 11 I, sacks in four games compared yeah. to Indiana's nine sacks in four games. Uh, and those 11 with sacks went for, yeah, with, with way more passing attempts. Uh, and let's go back to that real quickly. Uh, as we talk about the Indiana offense against that Nebraska defense, um. Yep. Yeah, Connor Bazelak set a school record for most passes thrown uh, in a game, breaking Richard Legos sixty-five. I believe that came against Ohio State in twenty seventeen. That's that was I don't, not in the plans uh, of Walt Bell's offense. That was they fell behind early. They had to come back, and and the run game uh, 
wasn't super successful. Now they, they ran better than Cincinnati, but um, the run game just couldn't get going. IU ran 104 plays, I think. And yeah, th- only 38 of those were rushing. I, uh, IU needs more balance, but they also need more production in the run game. And if they don't, get that you might see Connor Basilak throw the ball more um, because at some point you got to abandon the run uh, and say, look, the, the passing game's working for us. Let's stick that running back in protection and, and, and have an extra blocker and just, just pick apart the, the, the defense with, with throwing the ball. Uh, Basilak's not perfect. Right. You'd want him to complete. If he's throwing the ball 60 some odd times, you want him to complete more than 48% of his passes. Uh, or something like that. But if you could give him time um, and hit some early passes, I, I you should they should be in decent shape this game. Uh, and, and like you said, Nebraska's run defense isn't great. Uh, this is it's not the the eighty five Bears um, and things like that. They're they're last in the Big Ten in rush defense, giving up. Um, you know, five, 5.7 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns on the ground, and, and 233 yards per game. Now, look, if IU comes close to those numbers, they're, they're going to win. Um, I don't think IU's going to come close to that because that's a huge number. But if you could get between 150 and 180 yards on the ground, you're in good shape. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think that you're right about the IU needs more balance, but you know, there's only so many times you can attempt to get that balance when you're getting one, two yards of pop and putting yourself in second and third and long. Uh, That's going to be one of my keys to the game actually is keeping on schedule as an offense. Indiana faced, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they faced, I believe it was 25 third downs going 12 for 25, which was quite remarkable given how many of those were third and long. Uh, I mean, it it seemed like most series were ending with Indiana facing third and eight, third and nine, third and 12. They have got to find a way to avoid those negative plays. Part of that sacks, but a lot of it is negative rushes or rushes for no gain or one yard that make it really hard for you to continue your offensive series. If you're going to have that balance, you need to be successful with the running portion of it. And success for IU's offense probably is not going to mean five yards a carry. It's probably going to be three and a half, four yards. If we're being realistic, that's probably what success would mean. And given IU's weapons at wide receiver, which I do think continue to show pretty well, uh, if DJ Matthews is healthy and can go, I like Indiana's wide receivers against this Nebraska secondary, particularly if they can get themselves into some space, get some short intermediate passing, get those routes that can act as a secondary running game. And I like those matchups against the Nebraska defense, which again, I think lacks for overall team speed back there. So for me, it's, it's twofold. It's the running game itself, which is traditional handoffs to Sean Shivers to Josh Henderson hopefully to Jalen Lucas occasionally. Um, you know, it, it's those traditional handoffs, finding some different wrinkles to get some more yardage out of those plays, and those tunnel screens, those short passing game, 
that acts as an extension of the running game. Uh, I think you've got to combine to keep yourself on schedule uh, on the offensive side of the ball, which one is going to help your defense stay off the field. And two is going to help you continue drives and avoid those third and long situations that were so problematic against Cincinnati. Cause that really puts a burden one on your offense in general, but two, on the offensive line because the defense can bring the heat when they know you've got to pass the ball on that third ball. Uh, so that's kind of my, my first key to the game is keeping on schedule on offense, which is going to mean I use got to find a way to run the ball more effectively. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, at some point you got to kind of look at it like Western Kentucky's offense, get the ball, just get the ball out to your, your playmakers. I think IU needs more speed on the, on the, the field as well. Uh, and that means using Jalen Lucas, maybe putting Cameron Perry in there. You hope that that DJ Matthews is is healthy and ready to go. That was great news that he wasn't done for the season um, on an injury that kind of looked, you know, like it, it could could have been real bad, um, especially after last year when he he went down with uh, he went down with uh, an ACL injury. So it's you got to It's not the first time in football history. And we said this last year with Nick Sheridan. It's not this, the first time in football history that they're they're struggling on the offensive line. A, a team is and and you need to be decent on on offense. It's just it, it's it's not. There's ways in the offensive schemes uh, that help that. I think that IU. Um, you know, Walt Bell has done that pretty well, but like you said, last week against Cincinnati, the third down efficiency, IU had 11 third, third and longs, which is nine plus yards. Uh, they went four for 11 on third and shorts, which is one through four, uh, four yards. IU was five of six. That right there tells you, you know, people like numbers, TJ, that's the number that you're looking for. They did go, they went 12 for 25 on third downs, um, which, yeah, 12 third down. Yeah. I mean, but, but the average, yeah, the average third down, uh, third down distance to go was 8.6 yards. It's got to be better. Uh, you, you'd like it. Cincinnati had it down to seven. If your average third and third down distance to go is six and a half and and less, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, they gained an average of 5.4 yards per third down attempt. They were 10 to 17, uh, for 120 yards on third down. Uh, they were sacked twice. Uh, they need to do they need to do better on first downs uh, as well. Uh, and that comes out of it. Uh, the first down efficiency, IU had 42 first down plays last week. They gained 160 yards, which is an average gain of 3.8 yards. They ran the ball 16 times on third down for an average uh, or for 80 yards, which is an average of five. They passed 26 times with 12 completions for 80 yards. Um so, but the killer there were two offensive penalties on first down that yeah. uh, lost that lost twenty yards. 
and, and things like that. You had uh, first downs on first from first down was seven. Uh, and then they had one first down turnover right before the half as well. So diving into those those numbers, yeah, IU has to be better on first down. If it could stay on schedule, then those third downs get more manageable. You stay stop with the penalties, uh, pre-stat penalties uh, and, and things like that, getting behind the change, chains. Uh, let's go to keys to the game. TJ, you gave your first key to the game. What's your second key to the game? Second key to the game is eliminating Nebraska's running game. I mentioned earlier, I think that their passing game is much more of a secondary complementary thing for them due to the overall lack of kind of explosiveness in the passing game outside of Palmer. Um, so I, I'm going to go with limiting that running game. If you can keep Grant and Allen in check, I feel like you can really get to this offense and prevent them from having a big day. So I'm going to go with limiting Nebraska's running game. That's key number two. Uh, that's a good key. I'm going to go with uh, protecting Connor Basilak. Uh, Nebraska's last in, in the Big Ten in, in quarterback sacks. They have four all year, which is one a game. Uh, so if Indiana's offensive line can get any push, uh, it'll be well. If you look at uh, the stats against Cincinnati again uh, last week on short passing plays, uh, passing plays under five yards, uh, Connor Bazelak was 14 and 19. You go into that medium passing game, which you need a little bit more protection on. Uh, he was 14 to 35. And then the deep passing game, 15 yards and above, just three for 12. Uh, they need to, to give him a little bit more time. They need the explosive plays. They had nine big plays on, on Saturday against Cincinnati that accounted for 193 yards. Those explosive uh, plays need to be uh, better. The uh, we'll get into the run game here in, in a little bit as um, as my second key of the game. But you need they need to protect Connor Basilak, give him time to to get into that second level. Fine guys are open. I think that's the reason why they haven't found AJ Barner. One, he needs to get open. Uh, and two, when he is open, Connor Basilak needs time to find him. Uh, there were times where he was open. There were times when he was covered. And there's times that they have to leave him in in pass protection as well. The offensive line needs to give him time uh, to do his thing. And going 17 for 47 on, on passes five yards and above is not going to win you a lot of football games. Uh, my second key to the game uh, TJ is also on offense. It's to be more efficient in the run game. Um, yeah. IU got stuffed 32% of the time on their runs on Saturday. Their success no. rate was awful um, at 15. And Cincinnati did not run the ball well either. But their success rate uh, was 25. Uh, they just... You ju it's an attitude thing on run blocking. And maybe the coaching staff uh, ha has to sit down with the offensive line uh, and say, let's, let's go. Um, you're too talented to have this, this happen. And, and maybe it's a coaching staff thing uh, as well. It probably is a little bit of both. Uh, it's certainly injuries have hampered them on the offensive line too, with Matthew Bedford being out. Zach Carpenter being out really hurt last week against Cincinnati. So we'll see. 
Tom Allen and Walt Bell hinted at some shuffling going along, uh, going on uh, along the offensive line with, with maybe Josh Sales uh, over at right right tackle, Khalil Benson at right guard. Uh, I think it all depends on if Zach Carpenter could be healthy at, at center. Then you could put him at center yeah. and, and work it around. If if he's not healthy, then maybe you have to move Mike Kadick to center. Um and move some guys around, but Parker Hanna and Tim Weaver, that combination on the right side of the line just just isn't working. And it's not just them. Um, Luke Haggard had a big penalty on fourth and one uh, that really started the snowball um, of that yep. second quarter. Yeah, IU was down 24-10, but they're driving with the ball. Uh, with about five minutes left, and all of a sudden he jumps off sides. They have to punt, and it's thirty-eight. It's thirty-eight ten in a span of of five minutes. So, offensive line's got to get it together. Uh, TJ, what's your third key to the game? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Indiana's offense, and I, 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 uh, I think that it's crucial for the Hoosiers to get those big explosive plays one because I'm beginning to lose faith that the red zone offense is going to get fixed uh, and explosive plays can help keep you out of the red zone because you can bypass it with long scoring plays Uh, and two I I think that that is kind of where Indiana's offense might be best uh, is is getting DJ Matthews, Cam Camper, Swinton, McCulley. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, Shivers and Henderson as well have made some explosive plays. Um, I, I think it's critical that you hit those. And I think you combine it with where Nebraska's at mentally. I think getting some explosive plays, particularly early, uh, could, you know, kind of knock Nebraska out and, and take whatever fight is left in that team, take it away. Uh, so hit some explosive plays, get off to a good start, um, and and find a way to to avoid having to come from behind for once. Uh, it's going to be my my third key. Yeah, my third third key is your best players on defense have to play well, uh, and they did not yeah. against Cincinnati. Uh, you have All American in Tywin Mullen; he has to play well. You have an All Big Ten corner in Jalen Williams; he needs to play well. Monster Matthews, uh, we've seen him play well and, and be an all Big Ten player. He, hopefully, he's healthy and he could play well. Uh, the defensive front for IU has played okay. They need to get more of a pass rush, but the best players in the secondary have to play what play well. And maybe you know, if you see, uh, maybe you see, uh, you know, moving Fitz back to back to uh, Husky and Noah Pierre to, to safety position. Uh, but you have one, they have to play well Two, I'd like to see them on the field more because it, it, a couple of those big plays against Cincinnati came with your, your second and third string guys uh, in there. And that's just early in the game. That's just, you can't do that. I know you want to play, uh, play a lot of guys uh, and keep them fresh, but in, in the first half of the game with the game on the line, you, you can't, um, you, you can't have your, your second and third stringers get burned for, for big plays. Um, if you're going to get burned, I, I want to see the, the starters in there. Um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit less damaging, uh, I, I think, to, to the psyche. It's why aren't those guys in there? Could they have 
prevented it and, and things like that. If you're going to get burned, go down with, with your, your uh, big hitters there in the secondary. That's my third key. TJ, what's your matchup to watch on Saturday? Yeah, another best player on defense. You mentioned I, I've seen some questions on Twitter um, about Deshaun McCullough and that he was largely invisible against Cincinnati. Uh, he was sick the week before uh, that game. He was able to give it a go, but not really to the point where he could be out there much or be effective. Uh, they are not anticipating that to be a long-term thing at all. He should be good uh, for this Nebraska game and for practice this week. So a uh, quick little throw in there. Deshaun McCullough should be uh, back to hopefully making difference-making plays uh, for the defense here this week. So matchup to watch for me, I've mentioned it a couple times. I'm going to go with Indiana's wide receivers against Nebraska's secondary. I think it's a matchup IU has a big edge in. I don't think there's a lot of speed back there for the Cornhuskers. I might eat those words. They might look great, but from what I've seen so far, there is the opportunity for Basilac and the IU passing game to have a really good day. That's dependent on Basilac being accurate, not overthrowing those passes, giving Nebraska chances to pick them off. It is incumbent on the IU scheme to put those guys in position to succeed, which I think they've done a pretty good job of so far. And it's incumbent on the offensive line to give Basilac time to accurately deliver the ball with a clean pocket. Uh, but I, I like the matchup there for IU to have a big day through the air against the Nebraska secondary. Yeah, my matchup to watch is, is more internal. It's uh, how does Indiana rebound from a loss and, and can they rally uh, and beat a team that Vegas doesn't think so because uh, IU is uh, six and a half point underdogs. Uh, the last time I checked, it opened at about three. Um, yep. How do you bounce back from, from a game that went sideways early on um, and react and challenge yourself? and things like that. Uh, outside of that, I'm looking at the offensive line uh, against um, Nebraska, uh, just against a, a Nebraska front that Indiana should have success against. If you're not going to have yep. success against Nebraska, it's it's not happening this year. And, and IU has to do an internal audit and see what's going on there. Um, we all know what happened after last season and people have their theories and, and things like that. Uh, but people's contracts are, are done after this year. There should be no buyouts and, and things like that. So um, this is a game where Indiana's offensive line has to look serviceable. Uh, and, and if you don't, you have to take an internal uh, look at it and, and figure out what's going on. Is it personnel? Is it coaching? Is it a combination? Um, and, and things like that. TJ, let's get to predictions. What is your prediction for Saturday night? Yeah, I look, I, I think people do need to just stop and think. Like, I know Nebraska has struggled. I know that this is an incredibly important game for IU. Nebraska is looking at this as a game they have to win, too. I mean, they are, they are still, I'm sure, within that locker room, a lot of guys are still saying, hey, look at the rest of our division. We can still get to a bowl game. And they're not wrong. I mean, there's there's some wins left on their schedule if they can right the ship. And I know that they are looking at IU as one that they should get. Nebraska sees IU on the schedule and writes in permanent marker W. So 
this is a game on the road at a place that is typically going to be loud and, and somewhat difficult to win at. That being said, I think IU is the better team. I think IU is going to be the tougher team when it comes time to making those winning plays. We've seen it a few times this season. I think the Hoosiers do it again late and find a way to win 34-31 to 31 with a couple of clutch kicks from Charles Campbell being the difference. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I use the better team, um, you know, and, and we saw that they could uh, last physically uh, for four quarters. They, they've been in these close games in the fourth quarters and it pulled them out. They outplayed Cincinnati in the second half. Uh, and I don't really think Cincinnati took their foot off the gas either. I think that interception early in the third quarter kind of scared them out of a, taking a lot of chances. Uh, but they stuffed the run. They they gave the offense a chance to make it a game. Um, so I think if IU gets off to a good start, uh, which is key, gets off to a good start, is leading or is close at halftime uh, down the stretch that that um, IU is going to win. It's, the, you know, the old mindset of losing close games could creep back into Nebraska and things like that. You're right. They're going to come out with their hair on fire. This is a game that they could win. Uh, It's a a Big Ten game to get them back in the mix. Uh, Playing in the West, it's wide open uh, in in terms of getting six wins uh, and things like that. But if IU comes out and plays uh, the way that they're capable of, IU should get out of there with a win. I think it's going to be IU's best offensive game uh, all together as well. Uh, I, I'm going to go IU 41, uh, Nebraska 31, and uh, you, you get out of there with a win and, and just sitting at 4-1, and one and, and you feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a win, a win there, and look, the team can't do this, but we can. Uh, we are in a position where it doesn't matter if we look ahead. So, yeah, Michigan, that's a loss. Sure. Maryland, who knows? I think Maryland's going to be favored in that game. Maryland is better than IU, but I don't think that that's some insurmountable game where you can't possibly win. If you're four and one, you got a chance against Maryland, a chance to get to five. You've got a chance against Rutgers. That could get you to five or six uh, going into your bye week. So I, I think that there's, there's the opportunity there if you go to Nebraska and get that win, that you can look at the rest of your schedule and say, hey, we've got the rest of the season to find two wins. If we can do that, we go bowling. That's the goal coming into the season, and it's right there if you can go to Nebraska and find a way to win. Yep. Uh, you, you hate starting to count wins, but that's kind of what you're doing. Uh, anyway, you go, hey, let's get Nebraska. Let's get um, – Maryland or Rutgers, and that's what the mentality was for us coming into Cincinnati and in, in this two-game road trip was split it and, right. and, right. and move on. And if you could split Maryland and, and Rutgers and um, Purdue and Michigan State at the end of the year, you're, you're in business. You're, you're looking at six, maybe seven wins, you know, somewhere between five and seven uh, wins, which is right where we thought this team would be. And um, – you know, any of those win totals would be a nice rebound uh, for Tom Allen and the staff. 
But uh, anyway, that does it for the podcast tonight, TJ. Um, as always, thank you for listening. And uh, keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Um, have a great evening, TJ. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it.